Hello, I'm Mark and this is the Fast Track Impact podcast, where we look at how researchers can become more productive and use their work to achieve real-world impacts. In today's podcast, we're going to be looking at how you can stop wasting time online and efficiently drive research impact by having a social media strategy. Now, I'm not talking about writing a massive document. Of course, you can write it down if you want. It can just be in your head. But by being strategic and purposeful in your use of social media, I believe that you can really begin to harness the power of social media to achieve beneficial change. So, Let's get into that in a moment. First of all, I'd like to give you my research impact tip of the week. So today's tip is to optimize your social media profile for impact. And I'm talking here about the profile text and the accompanying image. I think very many of us uh, focus so much on the content of what we're doing, which of course is by far and away the most important thing, that we forget that we've got a bit of an outdated profile that perhaps isn't really optimal for what we're now trying to achieve on social media. Uh, Now, first of all, to the picture, I think there is no right answer here. But for me, if you're trying to build relationships and trying to build trust through social media so that you are listened to and can really engage people in dialogue so that they can learn about your research and then hence be able to put it into practice, then actually having a picture of yourself is really quite important. Now, I know a lot of people want to be quite anonymous on social media, they feel nervous about that, and that's fine. But bear in mind that uh, if you are a researcher, you probably have a bit of a public profile anyway. So if you have consented to have an image of yourself put onto your university or research institute website, uh, then your picture is out there. People can Google you and they can find out what you look like. Um, And so I would just get over yourself and put that picture on social media or some other picture of yourself on social media. Now, not all of us uh, are forced to do that, uh, and we want to retain that sense of anonymity, and of course, that's fine. If you value that, then great. But let's think of an image that really sums up uh, in a really powerful way that is instantly interpretable uh, as a thumbnail, very small, uh, as something that is clearly linked to our research rather than just a pretty picture that has nothing to do with it or that uh, is actually somewhat... uh, Uh, ambiguous. Uh, There's quite a few people who have uh, things uh, as their image that you you instantly think are actually something else when you see them from a distance, which is uh, sometimes not that great. So uh, moving to the text, I think that it's really important to make sure that there is, if nothing else, uh, the mention of your research institute, uh, uh, your university. Your credibility, and hence your influence on social media, is significantly increased by having a link to the brand of the institution that you are part of. Uh, You're no longer just a random researcher, you are a researcher from whatever prestigious university institute that you are part of. And that gives your voice weight now in the debates that you are contributing towards. 
uh, even better than that, have a link to your university or institute uh, actual profile. So rather than uh, to uh, a random uh, social media page or to a blog that has nothing to do with your university, try and get a link to that. Now, of course, if you actually have your own dedicated uh, personal website, which is ideally branded with your university, then great, of course, that works really effectively. But the key point here is that we're trying to not only say, this is my name and I come from a research institution, uh, here is the evidence. You can click on this link and the same picture comes up, or at least a recognisable picture of me comes up. I am who I say I am. If someone wants to dig and to really interrogate whether what you're saying is right and whether you are a credible voice to be listened to. Now for journalists that is really important. Uh, they can now contact you at a university address and uh, the chances that that thing that you've just put out getting into the news now are significantly higher. It's not possible pretty much now to graduate from journalism school without having a Twitter account and being on that platform because journalists now get so many of their stories uh, from Twitter and from other places uh, on social media. Uh, I have many journalists who follow my projects and they will actually put their mobile phone numbers. Uh, so it's really important to make sure that you are verifiable as who you say you are if you want to be able to connect with these kinds of people online and, and get that kind of impact. In my book, The Research Impact Handbook, I've described an example that for me really powerfully illustrates uh, this whole point. Uh, this is uh, perhaps one of the best documented examples of a viral social media event. Uh, and bear with me, it is slightly grisly as a story, but uh, for me this explains why this tip is so crucial. Uh, so this is the, the news that um, uh, Osama bin Laden uh, had been killed. Uh, and. Uh, the president, uh, Obama, announced that he was going to have a news conference and, of course, social media networks went wild trying to speculate what was going on. And about, about an hour before uh, he uh, was going to have the news conference, this chap, Keith Urbane, uh, tweeted, So I'm told by a reputable person they have killed Osama bin Laden. Hot damn. Now, this guy is chief of staff to Donald, Rum Donald Rumsfeld. Um, he's just got about a thousand followers, but people don't just believe what they read in the newspapers. People don't just believe what they read on social media. People actually interrogate their sources. And now you can see that this person is saying a reputable person has told them, and this person themselves appears to be a reputable person. People begin to think, hey, maybe this person's onto something. Well, that tweet was retweeted 80 times in the first minute. It was retweeted 300 times within the first two minutes. And then it kind of tails off because it gets picked up uh, by a New York Times reporter, Brian Stouter, who's got over 50,000 followers. And as a result of that, just 24 minutes after that original tweet that Keith Urbane put out, and long before President Obama actually addressed the nation, the news was being mentioned on Twitter over 30,000 times per minute. Now, for me, what is really interesting about this as a documented example uh, is that a number of other people 
guessed correctly that this was what the news conference was going to be about. And uh, if you have a look at how this actually worked, uh, there were two hypotheses circulating at pretty much the same rate on this social media platform. One was Osama bin Laden and the other was that they had captured or killed President, uh, no, uh, Colonel Gaddafi. Now, at the point at which Keith Urbane tweets, the one hypothesis, the correct hypothesis, then suddenly goes viral. But it's on the basis of that one person who guessed correctly. And of course, it wasn't a guess. Now, what for me makes this so valuable for us as researchers is that in any debate where there are multiple hypotheses, where there is uncertainty, where there are different sides of an argument, uh, then there are certain people whose opinion and whose evidence carries greater weight than others. And us as researchers have this huge advantage if we are verifiably known as researchers and people can see yes you are a researcher you do come from this place your picture matches this other person that is on the university website great now we have a voice which has a level of credibility a level of weight that means that we are far more likely to be listened to people are far more likely to click on the link that takes them to our blog which then links to our paper our evidence that we have generated through our research and our voice now begins to carry weight and uh, the likelihood that our news, our evidence, our perspective goes viral, perhaps too strong a word in most of the disciplines we work in, but that it really gains traction becomes far, far greater. So my tip is optimize your social media profile for impact. So now to the main point of today's podcast, which is to persuade you that it is really worth taking the time to come up with a social media strategy if you really want to use this kind of platform to drive research impact. Now, uh, I'm going to suggest to you that uh, there are probably seven things that you can do uh, as part of a social media strategy that will really help you to focus your energies efficiently so that you're not wasting time on social media and are as efficiently as possible actually driving real-world impact. Now, uh, for many of us, uh, just being able to demonstrate that we have engagement, we have followers, etc., uh, on uh, social media uh, can be part of the evidence that we might want to present to people that our research is having uh, a reach. Uh, of course, for many uh, others of us, that really isn't enough to, to actually satisfy our desires for really making a difference in the world. And what we need to do is to be able to go from this online world uh, to an offline world where people have actually engaged with our research, understood it, embedded it within their knowledge systems, where they can then apply that in policy, in practice, in business, or uh, just in terms of enriching their lives and inspiring them and, and giving them a sense of well-being, whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. Achieve. But it's, it's that offline conversion that you're trying to achieve. Now, if you want to do that, I think that the first thing you need to know is what exactly it is that you're trying to achieve through social media. 
I think that many of us just kind of fall into it because, hey, well, everyone else is doing it. We really ought to be on there. All my colleagues are doing it. So, yeah, I don't want to be behind the curve. And that's fair enough as a starting point. But if you really now want to start using this efficiently, then you need to think what it is that you're trying to do with these technologies. Uh, first of all, I think many of us are engaging with these simply because we want to extend our uh, research networks. We want to stay in touch with people we met at conferences. We want to listen in on conferences via the conference hashtag uh, and even contribute to them. Uh, and it can be an incredibly uh, useful source of information uh, about new funding schemes, uh, about new papers and debates that are emerging. Uh, and it can be a great way of actually crowdsourcing information. I'm looking for a reference uh, some literature about this kind of thing. Does anyone know if there is anything that's ever been written about this? And the answers come back if you have a nicely targeted audience that are following you and what you're doing. That's great, but now what about using this to generate research impact? Well, to do that, you need to have a very clear goal that you're trying to achieve in terms of that offline impact in the real world? Do you want to persuade businesses to adopt a new technology? Are you trying to just reach out to businesses who are in this space so that you can find people that you can go and knock on their door and understand their contacts so that you can start developing something which might actually answer the need of that particular business sector? Uh, are you trying to uh, contribute to a policy debate uh, and uh, try and come up with new ideas that can give policymakers a, a fresh take on an issue or solve a particularly challenging problem? Uh, whatever it is that you're trying to do, if you have a clear idea, then you can now start targeting that group of policymakers and uh, other members of the policy community and people who are connected to them and trying to influence them. And you can connect with that business sector so that you're now in the right sphere and communicating and putting messages out to people who will actually notice it and be able to do something that can further your impact. The second thing that I think you need to ask yourself is then uh, who are these people and what are they interested in? So in this example, I'm talking about uh, people from a particular business sector or from a particular policy community. Well, if we know who these people are, how can we begin to find out the kind of things that really interest them? Well, we could go knocking on doors, but actually the great thing about social media is that we can listen into all of these conversations. We can have a look at the kind of accounts that these people are actually following themselves. So I get a sense of what their interests are. I can look, if they're doing this, at the things that they're retweeting, uh, that they're reposting and uh, blogging about, so that I get a sense not only of what they're interested in, but the kind of ways in which they're talking about these issues, the sorts of jargon, terminology that they're using. Uh, and uh, in that way, I can begin to think about the kind of words that I might use to really resonate with those audiences so they pick up on my messages uh, as well. The third thing then is to start uh, moving from being a lurker, as it's known, someone who uh, is just uh, sitting there listening to information, to someone who is actually now beginning to generate content. 
Now, I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with being a lurker. I think it's fantastic. And I think that is where most people start with social media. Uh, and social media is an incredibly valuable source of information, yeah, not only in terms of our research and uh, our social lives, uh, but as I said, information about actually who are the people that we might be trying to influence or uh, generate impacts and benefits for, uh, and learning their lingo and how to really connect with them. So lurking is great, but the next step that most people take is to start favouriting things and start liking things and start actually reposting and signposting material to people that are following them. That's a very easy way with very little effort to start adding value to the network of people that you are connected to. So I read this, I found this incredibly insightful, incredibly useful. I think that the people following me would probably find it useful as well. Great, let's bookmark this to them. Let's, let's show them that it's there and add value. Of course, the next step then is to move into actually generating your own content. And this is something which is fairly unique about researchers as an opportunity. Most people, 99% of people, I would argue, uh, on social media are not actually generating genuinely new content. Most of it is just recycled old content. A lot of it is still produced by the traditional media. Um, uh, and we as researchers are in the ideas business. We're coming up with new ideas all the time. And if we can begin to now communicate those ideas through social media, then it can be a breath of fresh air. A debate that has gone on for years, same old arguments, same old references, same old statistics that are wrong, yeah, trundled out again and again. And we have the opportunity now to inject some new evidence, some fresh ideas that can actually move that debate on. So, what is it we want to achieve? The first step. Who is it that we're trying to achieve this with and what they are interested in? The second thing. And then thirdly, I'm trying to think about how I can now move into actually generating content based on my own research. The fourth thing then is uh, who can actually work with me to actually help me have the impact I want on social media. I think most of us think, well, hey, I'm on my own. I've got my 30, 40, 50 followers. They're growing by a couple of days. Uh, every now and then I lose a bunch of followers. Hey, uh, and well, really, what kind of an impact can I have with that number of people in my network? Uh, maybe it is fairly limited. Well, it might be if you're by yourself, but you're not. You are typically part of a network of people who can actually help you to get that message out to a wider audience and grow your influence online. Um, one way of thinking about this is uh, the jargon of uh, mavens, connectors and uh, sales people. Uh, this isn't particularly academic, academically rigorous, um, but I think for me as a conceptual framework, it, it helps me to, to think uh, about the role that uh, I might play uh, online in social media. So uh, mavens are the ideas people in a network. And uh, in theory, most of us as researchers should be ideas people. That's what we're in the business of doing. What we find much more difficult typically as researchers is becoming connectors and salespeople. And I think both of these roles are acutely important. Now, some of us are lucky and we can actually do two or maybe rarely three of these things uh, ourselves, but usually we will rely on others. So uh, identifying the connector in your uh, 
or connectors in your network is fairly easy. You can just look at the metrics. Who are the people who have the, the biggest followings online? Uh, and then reach out to those people. They may be in your school, they may be in your university, they may be uh, outside uh, your immediate networks, but if you know who these people are, you can begin to reach out to them, uh, very often in the offline world, uh, and say to them, look, can you give me some tips? Could you perhaps help me to get this particular new paper that's coming out to a wider network because uh, you're connected to the right kind of people? Uh, in my experience, these people will almost never say no unless there's some you know, conflict of interest type reason uh, that, uh, that may prevent them from uh, promoting what you're trying to get out there. Uh, and very often what I will actually do is literally pick up the phone to these people uh, it's surprising, no matter how big the organisation is, if you get to their switchboard and ask them to put them, you through to their social media team, you will eventually get to that person who is typing out the things that are going on Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter. And when you speak to that person and you say, well, look, I've got this thing, uh, it's a new blog, I think that it's really relevant to the kind of things that your followers are, are, are listening to, um, and you explain it to them and you show them the content, uh, then they will usually be perfectly happy to uh, put that out there, retweet it, uh, or uh, reformat it in some way for, uh, for their own audience. And that can be a really powerful way of you now getting to an audience of thousands and thousands, rather than the tens, perhaps, who are immediately within your network. The final role is, is the salesperson. Um, and these are fairly rare, unfortunately, at least in my experience, uh, in, uh, in, in researchers' networks. But every now and then, you put out uh, a blog or a paper, and someone out there picks it up and reframes it in quite different words that all of a sudden start to resonate with people. And uh, maybe you put something out and nobody noticed, but this other person has put something out about your research, and all of a sudden, everyone's talking about it. It's being retweeted, it's being blogged about, and uh, when this happens, Take notice and learn if you possibly can. At this point, I'm usually now copying and pasting the words out of uh, that person's tweet and I'm renaming my blog because clearly what they're saying is resonating far more effectively than the title that I had. Um, and I'm trying to learn, well, what is it that they did that resonated? Why did that capture people's imagination, uh, whereas mine didn't? So uh, remember, you're part of a team uh, and look for those salespeople, those connectors within your immediate social networks, whether they're online or uh, connections or people that you actually know uh, socially or in your department and you're perhaps not even connected to them on social media. These people are out there and they're usually perfectly happy to help you if you ask them. My uh, fifth tip for uh, making a social media strategy is to have a think about how you can make the things that you're sharing in some way actionable, shareable, and rewarding for the people who interact with you. Now, for many of the people that we're interacting, just having useful information is the reward. That, that's all that we need to do. Uh, in a debate that is stale, that is going nowhere, injecting some evidence that helps really move that debate forward is something that will really be valued by people. Uh, but have a think about whether there is actually something that encourages people to interact with your social media. Is there some kind of basic, simple action that they can do? Now, the most simple is to click on a link, to read a blog. Uh, the next 
uh, kind of thing that, that you might do is to try and create some incentive in there for people to share that material. Now, you can ask people, please, can you retweet this? Uh, but typically that isn't that effective. You need to think about whether uh, there's something in that that will really make people sit up and listen and think, hey, that's really interesting, that's really odd. I would never have imagined that before. And uh, I think the people in my network would love to know that as well. And it instantly becomes far more shareable when you have that kind of unexpected element to it that, that connects with people in, a, in an emotive or some other kind of powerful way. Uh, the sixth point now is to think about how you're going to monitor and evaluate your social media plan. Uh, now, if you are actually writing this down, and you don't have to write any of this down, just thinking through it is enough, uh, this is the bit where uh, actually writing it down can really help. Now, social media is great in that you've got a whole load of metrics built in already for you. So you can see how many followers you've got, you can see how many views you've had on YouTube, etc. But what we often forget to do is to actually ask ourselves the question, is my use of social media actually helping me to generate impact offline? Uh, now, the first kind of indications that this might be happening is that you're now actually in uh, conversation with, in relationship with people that you were not in relationship with before, and these people are in categories of the kind of people that you ideally want to be engaging with if you actually wanted to have an impact. So I now know people in that business sector. I now know people within that policy community. There's an element of trust. We're in conversation. We've even emailed each other. And that is the first step then to being able to now invite them to a, uh, a, a policy briefing, for example, or to be able to go into that company and do some kind of seminar about your work or just have a meeting one-to-one -one with these guys over coffee and Try and offer your services and understand uh, where they're at and what kind of needs you might be able to help them with. Finally then, uh, I want to ask, uh, how does your social media strategy contribute towards your wider impact strategy? And at this point, it's really important to have an idea about, uh, more holistically, what you want to achieve in terms of research impact. Because very often, social media is just one narrow pathway to impact. And you need to think much more broadly about uh, the other offline ways in which you're going to engage with people and the ways in which you're going to take this online engagement and these online relationships and then engage with them face-to-face -face, uh, or through other means. So think about whether there are actually important groups that you need to engage with if you want to have the impact you want who are not on social media. And very often these may actually be marginalised or disempowered groups who keep getting left out. And because you're now focusing on social media, it's the new great thing that is going to solve all your problems, you're doing the same again. You're marginalising these people, you're disempowering them, you're, you're cutting them out. And I think it's really important for us to recognise that this is not the solution to research impact. This is not the new pathway that trumps all other pathways. It is just one of a number of different pathways that we will use for specific purposes to achieve specific impacts with specific groups. And I think that if we conceptualise social media in this much more holistic way, then we can much more powerfully use social media to drive research impact.
Okay, so this week's action is incredibly simple. It is to, of course, make a social media strategy. Uh, now, as I said right at the very beginning, this doesn't have to be something which is written down. It doesn't have to be a tome. Uh, it can just be in your head. If you can verbally, or in your head, answer those seven questions that I've put out uh, in the main segment, they're also in the show notes, then you can have your own social media strategy. And I think that even if this isn't something that you revisit formally, that you measure uh, in any particularly quantitative or objective way, just having thought through those seven things will instantly increase the efficiency with which you're using social media and you will stop wasting time online and start actually driving impact. Now, of course, if you do have the time and the inclination to write this down, then that does help. And I have a social media strategy template that you can download on the Fast Track Impact website. So if you just go to fasttrackimpact.com uh, and then click on resources uh, and then have a look down to the templates section. You can download this uh, in Microsoft Word so you can edit this yourself. Uh, and this is fairly simple, it just goes through each of the different questions, uh, different kind of boxes and a uh, bit of formatting to help you to think about this in a really clearly structured way. I think particularly if you are working as part of a group, you've got about perhaps a, a research institute or a research project, sitting down, uh, spending a, an hour with your group to do this can be a really useful way of getting everyone on the same page and working together to drive impact uh, through social media. So uh, try this out for yourself, download uh, my template or just go through these questions yourself and ask yourself the question, how can I efficiently drive impact in social media in a really strategic, focused way. 